Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Well, the Golden Globes and the Emmys were both rather bland this year with no surprises because most of the expected winners won. And in case you haven't tried to stream one of these live events, you'll be surprised to see that they do not usually play the commercials, but there's a two-minute or so little animation that plays until the show is back. They are live, after all. Usually versions without the commercial blanks are posted the next day. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. I used to be Jerry Silberman. When I was eight years old, my mother had her first heart attack. Her heart specialist whispered in my ear, try to make her laugh. My blanket, my blue blanket, give me my blue blanket. The only thing that concerns me is the preservation of life. And I did make my mother laugh. That was a clip from the trailer to Remembering Gene Wilder, which looks at the comic actor's films, including interviews with people in his life like Mel Brooks, Alan Alda, and Harry Connick Jr., It'll be screened as part of the Weinstein Jewish Community Center's 15th annual Israeli and Jewish Film Festival. They'll be showing six films from January 18th through 28th at locations including the JCC, the Virginia Holocaust Museum, and the Jepson Alumni Center at University of Richmond. Remembering Gene Wilder will screen at the Virginia Museum of History and Culture on Sunday, January 21st at 2 p.m. My interview today is with Ron Frank, who was billed as the director, and Glenn Kirschbaum, who was billed as the writer. Sifter Review of the Week Boy Swallows Universe on Netflix. This series revolves around a broken family in 80s Brisbane where dealing and using heroin play a central part. The sons are the fulcrum of the story. Felix Cameron plays a precocious, outspoken whippersnapper and Lee Tiger Haley plays his brother who's sometimes mute. Fortunately, both of the young actors are marvelous in capturing the complex emotions that their situations find them in, while displaying their immense brotherly love. The series starts with an upbeat, quirky energy and some flights of fantasy. There are clever directorial bits and snappy situations. As the plot progresses, it becomes less about eccentric and more about drama, which is also handled well. While the subject is dark and many of their encounters unpleasant, it's ultimately a sweet story of family love with some eccentric personalities and compelling storytelling. I gave Boyswalla's universe four out of five stars. Ron and Glenn, I want to tell you first, I have something very simple in common with Gene Wilder. Can you guess what that might be? If you look at my name, that might be a hint. Wow, you're both from Wisconsin. No. Well, you, your name is his original name. You got yeah. it, Ron. Good for you. <laughs> My name is technically Jerome Williams, and his name, of course, was Jerome Silberman. So it's kind of cool we have that in common there. Obviously, you both worked on numerous documentaries. Good Lord. National Geographic, Smithsonian, Discovery, History Channel, all of them. Have you all worked together before? Oh, yes. Yeah, we have for years. Yeah, we, we actually like each other, which which is a remarkable thing in this industry. <laughs> yeah, it can come in handy from time to time, especially when you have to work together regularly. So is that why we have the co-writing, co-directing? Because I know one of you gets the credit on IMDb for writing and one gets for directing. But did y'all kind of share everything, it looks like? Pretty much. Ron was on the project from the outset and was the director and was kind enough to bring me in, you know, as the writer. Right. But then as it worked out, you know, Ron's on the East Coast, I'm on the West Coast. So he ended up doing 
all of the interviews on the East Coast. I ended up doing several on the West Coast, and he helped me with the writing. So we figured at the end of the day, we would each give each other a co-writer or co-director credit. So it was really just sort of looking out for each other. So what sparked the project? Obviously, Gene Wilder died in 2016, so it's been a few years. What was the inspiration behind it? Or who came to y'all? Or did you go to somebody? Well, we need to mention and acknowledge our executive producers, David Knight and Julie Nimoy, without whom we wouldn't be talking. Julie Nimoy being the daughter of the famous Leonard Nimoy. Right. We had done a film about Leonard. Then it was their idea to come up with something because the Nimoys were friends with the Wilders. And when Gene died of Alzheimer's, Karen, uh, who was a good friend of the family, wanted to do something to acknowledge what she went through and make an Alzheimer's awareness statement. So we all collaborated together and ended up doing something that's much more about Gene's life and career. But it was because of the relationship between the families. Leonard actually directed Gene, at least in one film, right? Footnote. The film that Leonard Nimoy directed Gene Wilder in was Funny About Love in 1990, and it was Wilder's first rom-com. I noticed as I watched it and after I finished watching it, this is really almost more of a career retrospective than a classic biography. It's not, no, little Gene Wilder was born Jerome Silverman and the blah, blah, blah. It didn't follow the traditional biopic route until the end. And of course, the, the third act, when it does get more personal, we're talking about Gilda Radner and Karen Boyer, of course. And, and it didn't even really get into Alzheimer's till the end, which was kind of an interesting, I won't say twist, but you know what I mean. It, you didn't know that going into the movie that that's where it was headed. Why was this approach as opposed to a more traditional you know, he started as a little boy and grew up and here's his career developing. Once we saw what we had, which was the amazing interviews with the likes of, of Mel Brooks, the hysterically funny film clips from the producers and right. Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles and the Frisco Kid. You know, quite honestly, we decided that this film would be a love letter to Gene that we would be celebrating this man who brought joy into the lives of so many people and also would serve as an introduction to a younger generation. Right. My son, for instance, who's 16, has now gone out and seen every Gene Wilder film. Great. Wow. Um, really, it was our decision. And, and there was there was some dark moments in the autobiography that, that we chose not to include because it would have changed the tone. If someone else wants to do a, a film where they dig up dirt on Gene Wilder, God love them. But that, that wasn't going to be our film. That makes sense. That's very good explanation of that. Surprise guest drop in. Before we go any further talking about the movie, somebody wanted to drop in and say hello here. Hold on one second. Leslie, welcome again for the third year in a row we've done this. Yes, we have. Hello, hello everybody. Hello, welcome Leslie. to our party. Footnote. Leslie McGuigan is the Senior Director of Programs at the Weinstein Jewish Community Center. Well, so Leslie, tell us about this year's festival. This is our 15th year of our Israeli and Jewish film festival, um, and we're really excited. We have six fantastic films that we're going to be showing across three different venues here in Richmond. Some of them have talkbacks, and others um, will have other activities that will enhance the programming, but we're really excited. Now, how about remembering Gene Wilder? Are you guys going to be in town for that? or I would love to be, but I think we're going to be, are we in Miami then? We're in Miami. Oh, yeah. that's rough. That's too bad. 
<laughs> yeah, we're going to be struggling and suffering down uh, there. No, you poor if thing. You, if you raise the improve the weather in Richmond, maybe we'll drop ah, in. There you go. There you go. Uh, so, Leslie, uh, what was it about this film? Obviously, Gene Wilder, everybody knows and loves who he is. I think this was probably pretty much a given when you saw this one available. Or what was it that attracted you about this one? All of our films are selected through committees and uh, our committee just, you know, that was just one that right away they wanted to show. We also partner with the Virginia Museum of History and Culture. So we're always looking for a film that will have outreach to the broader community. And so they jumped on that right away and wanted to show that. Anything else you want to tell us about the festival this year? Um, we're excited. I mean, this film especially, I think, is going to have a, be very, very attractive and I'm very excited. There's one other film that I'll just talk about real quick. It's a Holocaust-related film called Irina's Vow, and that's going to be here at the JCC on Wednesday, January 24th. It's a story about a woman in Germany who saved many, many Jewish people. She's considered a righteous Gentile and her daughter will be here for the film screening and will be speaking after the film. So wow, that's pretty wonderful. Oh, that's, and we're that's... partnering with the Virginia Holocaust Museum for that. Great. Leslie, I, I just want to mention it. If you go on the Deadline website today, which is a big Hollywood, there's a big article about our film. And I oh, great. You saw that, but we will be opening theatrically in March worldwide. That and was my last question of the day. So you just oh, sorry, Jerry. <laughs> That's all right. Jump the gun here. That's okay. But, congratulations. That's great. That's you know, awesome. We, well, congratulations to you both. Thank well, you. Believe me, we wish we could be there, but you know, we're we're going from Miami right to New York. So coming from LA, I don't know how to pack for this trip. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Is it a bathing suit or a winter jacket, winter yeah, coat? What all of the above. Yeah, you just have to get your steamer trunk out for this one. <laughs> okay. Okay, Leslie, thanks so much. Thank but you. Safe travels to you all. Okay, we're going to jump back in now to the movie. I mentioned it earlier, but what grabbed me almost immediately when the movie started was, wait a minute, that's Gene Wilder's voice. And it was not a deep fake VO that was the real thing. Had he done a, an audio version for the book already? Is that what you were using? He wrote his own autobiography, I think, in 2007 called Kiss Me Like a Stranger. And um, it takes him through his entire life from when he marries Karen. Um, it even talks about his lymphoma, which we didn't get into. He survived that, obviously. So he did an audio book, an audio companion book for this on tape. So we knew that we had a narrative. We listened to a lot of interviews that he had done. And it wasn't the same as him telling the story in first person. Although you did put a couple of those in. We did. Yes. We wanted to see him, obviously, and because we didn't have the opportunity to interview him. So we wanted to see him and talking uh, in, in sync. And there are many opportunities for that. Sure. And many yeah. interviews talks about the same thing. Right, Glenn? You found that. Yeah. When we found that he would repeat a story, for instance, the story about his mother, you know, don't upset your mother. You could kill her. Right. <laughs> he, he, he repeated that story countless times on talk shows. And so we knew that meant something to him. Right. And so we're going to slot that. We're going to find a way to bring that into the film. And, and it actually played a very significant role because I think it set him on the path of making all of us laugh, not just his mother. So, yes, I do think it was a goldmine. You'd swear he was in the editing room with us making yeah. the film. And he brings a real personal approach 
to this film. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you had these amazing interviews. Obviously, we mentioned Mel Brooks already, who, of course, is the headliner because he's the man. Can you tell me one story you had to leave out because you just didn't have room for it? He said, I'll give you a half hour. And we ended up staying an hour. There was stuff that we had to leave out about the producers. He tells a great story how we found Zero Mostel playing an egg. <laughs> <laughs> wow. On stage in the in a nightclub on Bleecker Street, I think, in the village. And he also told us stories. It wasn't really directly related to Gene, but how we had Dustin Hoffman cast originally in the producers. Wow. Which I thought was interesting. He was going to play the Kenny Mars role. Footnote. Kenny, or Kenneth Mars, played Franz Liebkind, the Nazi playwright who penned Springtime for Hitler. And then Dustin got taken away in a little film with Mel's wife called The Graduate. So I've heard of it. Did that. <laughs> and Harry Connick Jr., what was the reason for him? Obviously, there are thousands of fans of his that are famous. Why did you pick Harry Connick Jr.? Harry was a neighbor, and they, they did dinners a lot together, the Connicks and the Wilders. Harry also recorded, just for fun, one of Gene's, Gene wrote a song. In addition to all his other talents, painting and writing, he also wrote a song. And Harry loved it so much, they recorded it together. So we had to leave that out. But that was a story that Harry told us. That song ended up, I believe it's the opening credit music for um, uh, World's Greatest Lover. Oh, cool. Okay. I, I think it's either opening or closing. Again, Jerry, that that was our choice to interview people who knew Gene or worked with Gene or were truly part of his life. And I think, quite honestly, that we benefited from the fact that we made this film ourselves. It was funded by various pharmaceutical and Alzheimer's organizations. We didn't have a network or anyone dictating to us that they wanted younger faces. This was, let's interview the people who were there. Right. This may be the last crack we have at interviewing these wonderful, wonderfully talented people who entertained all of us. And everyone wanted to be part of this. Everyone we reached out to, you know, even a 12-year-old child, you know, Peter Ostrom, who played Charlie in Willy Wonka, yeah. recognized what a decent human being Gene was. Again, that was the film we wanted to make. And, right. and quite honestly, you're getting to see our film. This isn't 14 different you know, people right, right. weighing in. From the network. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and you mentioned Wonka there, so I just have to ask you, have either one of you seen the new one? Ron, you will. Uh, Glenn, yeah, I, I started it. You know, you know. I, I, <laughs> That's all you need to say, right? <laughs> I, I'm a purist. I love the original. You know, and and I don't want to. You know, quite honestly, I think our timing couldn't have been better. The fact that our film came out when Wonka came out, it made people want to see a film about Gene. Right. And and so I say, God bless him. And and I've heard it's really good. And and. No? Okay. You obviously didn't read my <laughs> review. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of flat. It's a little lifeless. It's not terrible, but it's not great. And then, of course, the great falling in love with the sheep and everything you've always wanted to know about sex. Footnote. Everything you wanted to know about sex but were afraid to ask was a comedy anthology adapted from the popular book and directed by Woody Allen. Wilder played a doctor who falls in love with a sheep in a segment that answered the question, what is sodomy? <laughs> No interview with Woody Allen. Was that intentional or was he just not available? We didn't even try. And I think because 
uh, our executive producers felt that we didn't need a distraction. Right. And his name might just be that in a film like this. If we had attempted to sell this to, um, I don't know if this is for publication, PBS, <laughs> which it will go on PBS, I think, and eventually sure. uh, that uh, everything you want to know about sex will be cut out. <laughs> Won't even be in the movie. Good point. Uh, good point. Yeah, it is a pretty whack. Now, you know, it's so funny. And, and y'all obviously been around a long time like I have. Stuff that was done in the 60s and 70s nowadays, they could never get away with. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, you're right. You probably, I guess, already knew about these, but one of the surprises and treats was the outtakes from Frankenstein. <laughs> that was really cool. Were those have those been seen by anybody before? Were those like a little treasure or I don't think they are were exclusive. Some of them were we had to dig pretty hard to find them. I don't think we've ever used them in a way where Gene described it because he described exactly what happened. So when you see them on YouTube or something like that, it's it's without any context. Um, so we, we managed to find like two different angles of the scene with Madeline Kahn and the fox fur. So you could clearly see <laughs> Marty and what he did. If we had our druthers, that would have been an interview that I, we would have loved to have done is with Marty Feldman. Of course, I just think it was so interesting that Gene happens to see him on TV and then ends up casting him in the first movie that he's ever written. Yeah. You know, back on on the outtakes, just for a second, you know, the mere fact that we had Mel tell that wonderful story about the handkerchiefs that played in so beautifully with, you know, you got to shut up the crew because they're laughing too loud. (laughs) Right, right. And they're screwing up the takes. Yeah. And And the putting on the Ritz story was great, too. Yeah, that that fits in with our, you know, what are the stories that people will want to know Things right. that happen behind the scenes. Sure. I mean, the Joseph E. Levine story is one of our favorites. We use that, Glenn and I use that in, in the business. <laughs> we learn from the best. Mel says, you tell an executive producer, you're right, you got it. And never, ever act on it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's, that's been sort of our mantra of late. I'm, I'm, I'm trying it with my wife and it hasn't been working <laughs> It's not working well. as well. <laughs> you know, you were at before what we left out on Mel, one thing that does come to mind is that when Gene did the hysterical scene, I'm wet, I'm hysterical, I'm wet, they had to do another take. And Gene gave so much of his energy, he said, I I can't, I'm I'm all spent. So Gene said, I need some chocolate. So Mel went out and got chocolate. Now, Mel would do that occasionally. I think he got the chocolate and then Gene had his chocolate bars and did the take again and everything went well. But the first time he did that, he went to get coffee for everybody. Coffee and Danishes. He even told me, chock full of nuts. He was down there on the street, coffee and Danishes for everybody. He tries to get back into the studio. I think it was on 34th Street and they wouldn't let him in. The guy said, oh. no, no deliveries. Deliveries in the back. He couldn't get <laughs> back into the set and he had to make, I think he had to make a phone call <laughs> wow. because they were so protective. That's great. That's great. My college roommate actually lives in LA. I was out there visiting one time and I got to meet Rain Pryor. So that was kind of cool to see her in the movie. Footnote. Rain Pryor is the daughter of Richard Pryor. She was wonderful. Yeah, she she's a therapist. And so she brought a real understanding of her dad and appreciation for Gene and, and his friendship and kindness towards her father, especially when he was going through MS. You know, so she she brought a real heart and sense of humanity to the piece. And we were, 
you know, very, very thankful that she agreed to be part of this. Now, you mentioned MS, but I'm going to pivot now to Alzheimer's. As you mentioned at the beginning, this was kind of motivated by the people from the Alzheimer's organization. How is that being used now by them or by you? Or is it not being, it's not a sales pitch, which is good, but uh, how does that figure into the process overall? I'm not sure they figured that out yet. I mean, in, in terms of the sponsors, they wanted, obviously, us to bring it up, the subject. There has been talk about doing maybe an additional piece that would focus on Alzheimer's. I don't know where that stands right now. I mean, I think it would be a good idea. We did not want to, I don't like to use the word, but dilute the film with Alzheimer's. We didn't want to overdo it with Alzheimer's. We, we discussed this heavily. It was a sensitive subject, but I think telling the story through Karen's perspective is really what was the selling point for us. I mean, it, that, that had the emotional drama that we were looking for and not something that would sound clinical. Footnote. The Karen they referred to several times was Gene Wilder's second wife, Karen Boyer. And we were privileged to see some incredible footage of Gene at that point, too, which was very heartbreaking. But it was wonderful that they allowed us to see that. Yes, they did. Karen has blessed this film and she is, uh, you know, without it, we wouldn't have it. I mean, she... Right. Uh, opened her archives and her stories and her art. I was just on talking to her the other day and, you know, she still misses him tremendously, but she's very proud of this film. The thing is, if, if you were to say we're going to make a film about Alzheimer's, I, I don't know how many people would go and see it, yeah. but but here... And they've been done. Yeah, exactly. But but here we're, we're raising awareness in seeing a, a film about a comedian, you know, so I think we've accomplished what they wanted to accomplish in terms of raising awareness. And we did have an audience member thank us saying so many of these biographical films, you don't see these people after they leave the stage. You you don't see right. them as older citizens. And, and and she was most appreciative. She had a husband who, who who had Alzheimer's. And she said, really, you showed us, you know, Gene, warts and all. And she was appreciative, and we felt that we owed it to the, the right. sponsors that we not shy away from it. So, important question there, Alzheimer's or Alzheimer's? <laughs> I'm from Boston. I, I go with Alzheimer's. So, you said Alzheimer's. Right. And you said Alzheimer's also, Ron. So. <laughs> I'm a New Yorker. What can I tell you? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I have one thing that I, I was so thankful that Ron brought this up when we were talking to a reporter from the Jerusalem Post which is what I think makes us especially proud of this film, is that we're living in, in pretty dark times right now. And this film, I think, drives home the importance of finding laughter even in the darkest of times. It's something that obviously Mel understood, Gene understood, and we're trying to carry on that legacy. Well said, and a great way to finish. When you're not out... Promoting this, which I'm sure you're doing a lot right now on the circuit, what do you like to watch? What are you watching at home or on the plane? <laughs> There's a Hulu series, and I forget that I'd have to ask my wife the name of it. I totally forgot it. It's, a, it's a sort of a sitcom. I'm watching The Gilded Age. Yeah. I've been watching a series, uh, Julia. On the, Max, yeah. The Friendship. Childs is wonderful, yeah. And I, I tend to like historical drama, anything that's based rooted in real life. Obviously, right. we do documentaries, but... In terms of documentaries, there are probably a few. I can't think of them. <laughs> That's all right. So don't yes, use it. I watch a lot of documentaries. I watch a lot of sports. 
I will say this. My 16-year-old insisted that we catch up and, and watch all of Breaking Bad. And, oh, wow. And he pointed out, and we're very proud of this, that our IMDb rating, which is, currently stands at 9.7, is even higher than Breaking Bad. So we're extra proud <laughs> Um, That's cool. And yeah. and so, yeah, audiences seem to really be enjoying the film. And, uh, you know, I hope you liked it, Jerry. Oh, I did. I loved it. It was great. It was wonderful. I mean, I've been reviewing films since 1974, and I saw most of those movies first run and reviewed them. So, yeah, they brought back a lot of great memories to me to see all those movies. Well, Ron and Glenn, I want to thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to promote this. Congratulations on a wonderful, sweet, and heartwarming film. And uh, sorry you won't be here, but I'm sure there'll be a crowd to appreciate it for you. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you so much, Jerry. Great talking to you. That was Glenn Kirschbaum and Ron Frank, who made the film Remembering Gene Wilder. It'll be screened as part of the Weinstein Jewish Community Center's 15th annual Israeli and Jewish Film Festival. They'll be showing six films from the 18th through the 28th at locations including the JCC, the Virginia Holocaust Museum, and the Jepson Alumni Center at University of Richmond. Remembering Gene Wilder will screen at the Virginia Museum of History and Culture on Sunday, the 21st at 2 p.m. And I'll have a link to all these things on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon in theaters. All of Us Strangers. Finally, this award contender comes to town. It stars Andrew Scott as a writer who returns to his childhood home to find his parents alive, even though they died 30 years earlier. He also has an affair with Paul Mescal. ISS stands for the International Space Station. Conflict back on Earth causes struggles between the U.S. and Russian astronauts. Founders Day. A series of horrible killings leads up to a heated mayoral election, featuring former Richmonder Devin Druid. Cult Killer. Antonio Banderas heads the cast of this murder investigation that requires the cop to ally with the killer. Which brings me to you. Yet another rom-com revolving around a wedding. Two people meet and talk about their past. Starring Nat Wolf and Lucy Hale. TV and streaming. Griselda on Netflix. Sofia Vergara goes for drama as the mother of three and a notorious Colombian drug lord. The Woman in the Wall on Paramount with Showtime. Ruth Wilson wakes one morning to find a corpse in her house. But how does her own sleepwalking figure in? Chrissy and Dave dine out on Hulu Freeform. Chrissy Teigen and David Chang visit L.A. hotspots to host dinner parties with famous guests. Coupled a Thruple on Peacock. This dating reality series pairs open-minded singles to join another couple. Kevin James, Irregardless on Amazon. The stand-up comic's new special. Zorro on Amazon, a new version of the classic adventure from Spain. In the Know on Peacock, from Mike Judge, best known for Beavis and Butthead, comes a new semi-animated series about a public radio host, played by a puppet, with real stars playing their human selves. The Kitchen on Netflix, two people fight to navigate a world where social housing has been eliminated. Queer Eye on Netflix, this eighth season heads to Atlanta for makeovers. Next week is a double feature. First will be a smaller free film festival, the Winter Horrorland Festival, which isn't what you think, as well as meeting members of the Virginia Screenwriters Forum, including one successful writer alumni. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more sister, including literally thousands, thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.